Well, thank you so much. I do. Uh, I feel at home because I am. Um, you know, just appreciate this church. And uh, you invite me back. Pastor invites me back every year. And um, I appreciate it. This is a very, very special night for me. Um, I've preached a lot of years in a lot of places all over the world. But tonight is a special night for me to come here. And, and especially here, uh, we've been through a lot. As you know, my wife passed away in May the 23rd. And uh, she'd had two and a half years of uh, cancer, going through treatment, so forth, and everything like that. And and it's just been um, beyond words. Uh, you know, people say, I don't know what it's like, and they don't. And, and I don't even know how to explain it to you. But I just thank God for His grace. And uh, my wife's very strong in faith, and she admonished me uh, because we had uh, eight months of her in the bed, not able to move, uh, get out by herself, and uh, instructed me, you know, on this, because I was so, so emotional through it, and I just kept telling her, what am I going to do, what am I going to do, and she said, you're going to preach the gospel is what you're going to do, and um, she said, she said, don't waste this, she said, we've been through something, and said, there's going to be a lot of people you're going to talk to that need to know that God brought us through this. And um, she was stronger than me, much stronger than me, because uh, my inside, I just felt like, you know, can I go on? What can I do? Um, my family, I have a great family, a great church family. I pastored many, many years there, still do. And and uh, to go out, I've been a traveler. I've had, like, brother, your pastor, Brother Lee, able to travel the world. Brother Clendenin opened to us the world. And um, back in we Russia together and just gone and gone. And I just come to a stop. And, um, and so this is really a beginning for me to get out. And I appreciate so much and appreciate Lee and Carla. Just good friends so much. And, and this church and all of you. And um, just thank the Lord for his goodness. And, and I, I do believe the Lord's coming. Amen. Heaven sounding sweeter all the time. Amen, and I appreciate all that God's doing. Um, my wife recorded a CD here in Baton Rouge last year, and uh, this was very special to us. Uh, we came here, uh, Mark Coleman did this, and she wrote one of these songs here, How Great and How Wonderful Are You, God. She wrote that while she was sick. And I tell you, whenever they recorded this, he stopped and said, Who wrote that song? Because this wasn't a song written to sell, wasn't a song to be a hit. It was out of her heart. And this one's called His Life from Mine. And uh, if you just like gospel music, uh, she plays the piano at the end. This one was one that we had had recorded in Cincinnati. Blackwood Brothers helped us record this. And uh, over here, uh, too far from here, they redid it and made it into a CD. And we've got some books back there. So um, if you'd be interested in any of that, you can uh, see that later. But I tell you, I'm just a privilege to be here. I just, I just feel humbled in the Lord, all that he's brought us through, and just to be able to go again. And, um, you know, the greatest time I have is when I'm preaching. Um, I, I've told people, I've told folks here, I said, I'm not used to being alone. I mean, I'm just not used to being alone all my life. When I got out of high school, 19 years old, I moved out of my house and my parents' house, and I moved to Abilene, Texas, out west, because I'd gotten a girlfriend, and her dad moved them there. And so I moved out there, and that became my wife. I've only had one girlfriend in my whole life. Amen knew each other as teenagers, and her dad was a preacher, and so he moved them all out there, 100 miles from where I lived. So, I mean, I got out of high school. I got me a job, paid my car off. I went and got a house to live in. So when I married her at 20 years old, I was only out there one year by myself. And I want to tell you what, I was the youngest of five. I was a sport brat. My mother took care of me. I mean everything, and so I had a mother that took care of me, and I had a wife that took care of me, and I don't know what to do without them, I mean, it's just, uh, but God's presence and God's grace is so good, and um, I just thank the Lord, and opportunity to be here, encourage conference, pastor, oh, I tell you, we got, we need encouragement, 
You know, we preach the lost, but the church right now needs a word of encouragement, needs a word that you can make it. And and I know how important it has been me through these months and, and these last four months to have so many friends and pastors and preachers and family and people in the church. Just I'm praying for you. Several of you have told me you're praying for me. And I, I did, you know, that's what gets me by. That's what's gotten me by so much. And I want to be an encouragement to you tonight. I want to bring a message of encouragement that if you feel like that there's nothing left, that there's nothing left you can do, that there's nothing left that can happen to help you where you're at, I want to talk to you about that tonight. I'm going to read out Isaiah here in a moment. Uh, I'm going to Isaiah chapter 43. I'm one of those preachers that sweat. Go ahead and get my coat off of me. And, uh, thank you, Pastor. And, uh, but I'm going to read uh, out of Isaiah. I want to show you something. I'd like to show you a painting. Look at this painting right here. This, is a, this picture has captivated my thoughts in the last few months. I was looking at this, and this painting hung in an art gallery in Europe for many years. It was painted in 1888, and the name of it is Checkmate. And, and the person to the left is the devil. And the young man to the right is very concerned. He is losing. They're down to the last part, and they're playing for his soul. That if he loses this game, according to their tradition, he will lose his soul. And the devil is happy. The devil is looking over there. And the young man, don't if you see it from there, he's got a solitary tear on his cheek. He's very nervous. He's very scared. And the devil is laughing and thinking, I've got him. Now, this painting hung in that art gallery in Europe. And one day, an expert on chess came in. A chess expert came by, and he looked at this painting and he studied it for hours. And then he asked the people at the art gallery, he said, do you have a table? Yes. Do you have a chess board? Yes. So he set it up in front of it exactly like it is right there. And as he was playing this chess, this young, this man studied for hours. And then suddenly he hollers out. He said, young man, if I could just get to you to hear me, you don't have to lose. There's one move left, and it's yours. And I know how you can win this game. And did you know a lot of people feel this way tonight? The Lord would say to you, if you feel like there's no way you can win, God's looking at your situation. He's the chess champion. He's your champion. And he tells you tonight, don't give up. There's one move left. Amen. There is one move left for you. Amen. The day that he came in, no matter how bad it is, there's more grace than your mess. Pulling down strongholds. And our champion is Jesus. The devil can convince you, and he almost has me to think there's nothing left for me. There's no way I can get out of this. I've even wondered if God himself could get me out of this. If there was a way for him to do this. We use this phrase, God makes a way where there is no way. I look for that scripture. The closest thing I've found is here in Isaiah. Would you stand together with me for a moment? We're going to read the word of God as we pray. Father, I thank you for this opportunity to be here. I thank you for each one that has come out tonight. Those that watch us, I pray for somebody tonight that's here, somebody hearing this message, and the enemy has convinced them that there is nothing left that could happen, that there's no hope for them, that he is looking at them saying, I've got you, but Lord God, I want them to know tonight there is still one more move left in their life, that their champion, the Lord Jesus Christ, has it. And knows what it is. Father, I ask you tonight to add your blessings to the ministry and the reading of God's word in Jesus' name. Let's stand together, continue, and read Isaiah 43 and look at verse number 15. The word of God says, I am the Lord, your holy one, the creator of Israel, your king. Thus saith the Lord, who makes a way through the sea and a path through the mighty waters. I believe that's where we get the term, he makes a way where there is no way. Amen. You may be seated here tonight that you think about the scripture in Isaiah that it's during the time of the Babylonian captivity and this generation 
They were destitute of their home. Seventy years they would be in this place. And it seemed like an impossible situation. And if you notice the scriptures we read tonight, God reintroduces himself to you. You know, I found out through what I've been through that I've known God. I've served God. I've preached the gospel for years. And the very things that I preach. But the Lord had to reintroduce himself to me. And not, maybe I forgot. Maybe I've been through things. But you notice what he said. I am the Lord, your holy one, the creator of Israel, your king. Thus saith the Lord, who makes a way through the sea and a path through mighty waters. He reminds us, and tonight he does the very same thing. This Isaiah chapter 43, he goes in verse number 1, and he says, But, but now, thus saith the Lord that created thee, O Jacob, and he that formed thee, O Israel, Fear not, for I have redeemed thee. I have called thee by name. Thou thou art mine. When thou passest through the waters, I will be with thee. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow thee. When thou walkest through the fire, thou shalt not be burned. Neither shall the flame kindle upon thee. How many notice he said through? Can you say amen? Gone through. See, we say we've gone through things. And that is a big thing to say what you've been through. Now, we're still in the midst of a lot of things right now, but how many thank God for what you've been through, and you're on this side of it? Amen. He brought us through. He is a faithful God, said so he brings us through. I look at Isaiah 43, verse 18. He said, Remember not the former things, neither consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing. Now I shall bring forth, you shall know it. Notice this, and shall ye not know it, I will even make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. He said a new thing. You know, God's always telling us to remember. He always tells us to remember what he's brought us through. He's always telling us all these different things. But you read this verse, he said, forget the former things. Doesn't mean that you don't go back and remember. But in this particular time, he said, I'm going to do something for you that doesn't compare to anything you've ever been through before. God can do things that you've never had seen him do before. And this is what I'm looking at today. I've never been here. I've been a pastor all these years, and I've been with people through a lot of things. But it's a lot different. How many know what Jesus said? It's more blessed to give than receive. And people say, oh, that's not true. It is. We have always been on the giving end, not on the receiving end. It's a whole lot better to be the giver. Than the receiver. You know why? Because when you have to, you, you have to receive. When you, blessed is, it's more blessed to receive, give than receive, to have because you think about it. Somebody going through something, we've had to receive a lot of things from people. We've had to receive a lot of help. We've had to receive a lot of prayers. We've had to receive a lot of love. And I thank God it's there. But I'd rather have been that person. I can remember days when people come to our house to visit and they walk up that sidewalk. They come into the house and they'd pray in, in the bedroom with us and, and so kind and so great. And I'd come escort them to the door. And as they left and I walked and watch them walk down that sidewalk at my house, you know what I'm thinking? I wish I was that person walking down that sidewalk because I've got to close that door, go back in this house, and I've got to face this. I've looked at that, and I thank God for the people that come, but it had been a whole lot easier to be the one giving the comfort, the one that's saying, I'm praying for you, one that I love you, than to be on this end. But you see, this is what he is saying, I'll make a way where there seems to be no way. And folks, I've been there. And in some ways, I'm still there tonight. I don't know how God can make a way. I was reading something that Spurgeon said. He said, the Lord will make a way for you where no foot has gone before. That which, like a sea, threatens to drown you will be a highway for your escape. Can somebody say amen? Amen. You know, you think about people in the Bible, and I'm a Bible preacher. I mean, I, the Bible said preach the word. You know, one thing about it, these stories are true. I can read this and know it's right. And so I can guide you to the Word of God. And, you know, the Bible is a book of people. Before I got saved, uh, before I knew anything about God's Word, I thought, that's a mean book. I was scared of it. I mean, I thought, boy, the inside there, I don't know. I'd, I'd read it. Sometimes I'd get scared, get guilty, or something happened. I'd open it up and read a little bit. thought maybe God might smile on me a little bit for reading it. But after I got saved, I fell in love with God's Word. And you know what I found in the Bible is people.
Can you imagine from Adam all the people named and unnamed people that are recorded in this book? You know why? Because it's about people, about their lives and the things that they go through. And I began to look when I thought this thought about what we're looking at right here and a man thinking there is no way I can make it. And the champion says, young man, I could talk to you. There's a way to win. I just tell you, you know, our champion, we can't see it, but he knows a way to win. He knows in your life a way to win. And I look at this passage of Scripture. I look at the, the woman who was caught in act of adultery, brought in before Jesus. I mean, you think she's got a chance? Don't you know those, uh, those men think, checkmate? We've got her. Bring her in, throw her down at the feet of Jesus. And what do you say? I mean, this woman's crying. She's terrified. She's scared. And if you'd ask her, is there a way? Is there any way out of this? She'd have said no. But they was the master there. They was a champion who said, go and sin no more. Who said, they that are without sin cast the first stone. Let me say there was a way. Amen. Look at this tooth, the thieves on the cross. Here Jesus is hanging on the cross. In the middle of the cross, on both sides, there's a thief here and a thief there. And I mean, you look at them men. They're moments from death. The devil's saying, both of you going to hell. Both of you would. But one of them heard something speak inside of his heart. That close. And he said, Lord, remember me when you come to your kingdom. Amen. This day. Thou shalt be with me in paradise. Amen. He had one more move. There was a move left for that thief. I look in the book of Acts. Paul's on that ship that's sinking. And I tell you, you no, know, folks, I, I read this and I look at this and people get mad at God. And did you know a lot of people are in the trouble they're in because they didn't listen to God when he warned them. God gave them warning after warning and they didn't listen and they got into the mess they're in, and they get mad at the Almighty. But here is a good news for people that got themselves into a mess because they didn't listen to the warning of God. He says in Acts 27, verse 18, Paul just gives this description, exceedingly tossed. I mean the waves. They're about to go under. They pull the tackling and throw it overboard. Just listen to verse 20. And when neither sun nor stars in many days appeared, and no small tempest lay on us, all hope that we should be saved was taken away. Do you hear what I just read? Those men on that ship, they'd thrown the cargo over. They'd thrown the tackling over. And Paul said, all hope. And he, folks, it really can happen when you feel like there's no hope. You just come and you say, well, you know, we always say cliche, well, there's always hope. But sometimes you're going to feel like there's no hope. And Paul said that they were there. The ship's going under. And it's their own fault. So Paul has a prayer meeting. Verse 21, after a long absence, he went forth and prayed. And he comes back. I didn't want a lot of things can happen in a prayer meeting, can't it? You know, I come to talk to God. But have me ever come to God to talk to you? And he come and he said, sirs, you should have hearkened to me and not have loosed from Crete and have obtained this great harm. So he first off told them, I told you so. Look at verse 22. And now. See, it's one thing to say, I told you, I warned you, this is what's going to happen to you. That was then. But now, he says, and now I exhort you to be of good cheer, for there shall not be loss of any man's life among you, but of the ship. For there stood by me this night the angel of God, whose I am and whom I serve, saying, Fear not, Paul, thou must be brought before Caesar. And, lo, God hath given them thee all them that sail with thee. Wherefore, sirs, be of good cheer, for I believe God that it shall be even as he told me. Amen. How you think about that? He said, I believe it's going to be just like, you know, come out. And he said, be of good cheer. He said, be happy. You never notice some people will just, hey, we'll just cheer up. I said, he said, cheer up. Sure, if things could cheer up, it could be worse. I cheered up, and sure enough, it got worse. You know, and he said, cheer up. This man, why is he so confident? It's because he'd heard from God. All I've got to do in, in my life, if I can hear in my spirit from God, if I can hear God speak to me, that I know that this is a fight of faith. That if you wondered if it's a fight of faith, it is. This has been not only a physical battle that I've been through, my wife went through, and, and many of you have gone through. There is a spiritual battle. 
I don't see demons behind every doorknob. I don't blame everything on the devil. But it is a spiritual battle. You read this Bible. We've been in this battle. And it's a fight of faith. What does the devil want from you? Your faith. He wants you to give up your faith. This is what he's after. It's not just because you've got some great possession or you're some great person. All he wants you to do is not to believe God. And I tell you, folks, there's times you have to fight to hang on to that faith. That you say, I believe God. Or the devil says, you said you believe God. Now what are you going to do? What are you going to do with this? And, and all of the different things that happened to you. But we've entered into an ancient war. Here we are tonight. Here in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, this modern time, but we have entered into an ancient battle. This ancient battle, the Bible said there was war in heaven. I can imagine war anywhere but heaven. And a third of the angels fell. Man was created. He was, he was sinned and attempted in sin. God clothed him. Cain killed Abel. God raised up Seth and man began to call on God. Amen. There was a change. There's things that began to happen in that life. But I look at this, the, the Tower of Babel. Uh, you look at Abraham. God called him as a nation. It seemed like every move that God made, the enemy would make a move. Have you ever felt in your life, every time God does something in your life, the enemy will come by and make a move? It is. I mean, I don't know if you could call it a chess match, but I tell you, the enemy or soul, you know, every time we, we'd come by, the enemy start. We try to do something for God, enemy show up. Be ready to take a missions trip, and everything would happen. And I've had people say, well, I've been taught that if you're in the will of God, you won't have any trouble. Well, you were taught wrong. Amen. Good idea. If you've got trouble, it's a good sign. You know, people looked at Job and said, I wonder what he did. I'm sure there's people who looked at me and said, I wonder what he did. Uh, I'm not going to name names, but I know things like that don't happen to people like that. But they do happen. I read in this Bible that it happens. I don't understand why babies have cancer, do you? Amen. Who sinned? But the blind man or his parents? Jesus said neither. Amen. Once you think you've got it figured out, you're just starting to know that you don't know anything. Amen. I mean, I mean that, that wisdom didn't fear God to know Him, but I know it's a spiritual battle. I know. I do what? I believe this book more than I've ever believed it now. Amen. I tell you what, I know, I know from experience, this is the Word of God. Plus or minus, this is the Word of God, let me tell you. It is, and it is, and what? In this battle, this is the sword of the Spirit standing upon this. But the devil comes against you because he knows. See, this is just a little picture here. But it is an illustration how the enemy will come against you and him you in. And life will say there is nothing. There is nothing you can do. There is not another move you can make in your life. And I, I read of this. You know, it's an unseen world. What we're talking about, Paul said in Ephesians 6, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and rulers of darkness and high places. There's two kingdoms on the move, God's kingdom, but we're in a real battle. I wish I'd have thought this up, but we don't fight for victory, we fight from victory. Now, I can't say I thought that up, I wish I had. But it is, we're not fighting for victory, we're fighting from victory. And how you know the cross is the victory? The resurrection of Jesus is the victory. Amen. Satan's power, his ability to deceive us. See, this his ability to deceive. When he did with Mother Eve, he said, have you noticed the fruit and make you wise like God? And the enemy is out, and he's a great deceiver. But there is a battle that goes on. Second Kings chapter 6 talks about this war. And I love a preaching ground right here. Elisha, I mean, he's out with his servant. And the whole armies come up around them. And the man wakes up the next morning. And the enemies are all around. How many ever felt that? It felt like everything had come against you. And one news after another. One bad report after another. You know, it looked like if you got bad news that you wouldn't get any more. And they'd feel sorry for you and leave you alone. But it seemed like that's when they poured on. And so he looks, and he's getting breakfast, evidently. Goes over to Elisha, and kind of like the old Western master, it looks like a good day to die. It looks bad. And Elisha gets up here in chapter 6 of 2 Kings, and he looks, and he sees the enemy. 
I mean, all around, surrounded. But he said, Lord, open his eyes, because there's more with us than there are with him. Amen. Amen. I've had to ask God, I don't see anything but the enemy. And he said, open their eyes, because there's more with us than there And he blinded that enemy. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. Amen. Faith is acting like God told the truth. Well, can I say that one again? I've heard faith explained like sitting in chairs. I've heard explained. I can see a chair, you know, faith is this, faith is that. And you get the faith, guys. But one man said, and I wish I'd have thought this up too, but faith is acting like God told the truth. God, I just believe. You know, that's all he wants us to do is just believe what he said. What he said, what, he, what he's saying to us. And, and he says there, there's another move left. You know, I, I, I'm, I know that this is a spiritual thing. In, in all these months and years now, in our prayers, and my wife had such a, a strong faith, such a belief in God. I never met a greater Christian. And we lived near all of her life almost sometimes. She was a teenager. And she's 100%. And, and all that she did and, and, and all that the things that, that we were facing. But I knew it was a spiritual battle. She'd tell me. She'd have dreams and enemy come and how God would help. And, and if you've been through some of these things, and some of you have, it, it's a spiritual. And not only in cancer or diseases, but in, in the things. That, and the enemy comes to tax marriages, tax churches. And he does. He, he lies. And he comes against in homes and, and children, situations like this. But, you know, we, we, have, we have help. See, we're no match for those, for that enemy. We're no match for the devil. We're no match for the demonic. I've heard ridiculous things of people saying, I'd run the devil out of here and I told him where to go and all these things and all kind of stuff. You're no match in your own. I found out you're not no match without Jesus. Amen. Without him. Praise God. But he is the greater one. He is the greater one. When Daniel, he was battling and praying 21 days. See, we're in this. I wish we could just say, let's just make this easy. You know, easy deal. We're in a battle. There's nothing easy about a battle except that he is our victory. He is the victory. Daniel fasted 21 days and prayed. Angel came with the answer. Angel comes. said, Daniel, here's your answer. Daniel didn't say, oh, thank you. He said, where have you been? He said, I prayed. He said, God heard you the first time you prayed 21 days ago. But the prince of Persia withstood me. Who's that? That's modern day Iran. See, them devils haven't died. We're still fighting the same devils Daniel did. And he said, I'm here at your words. Did you hear what I just said? He told him, he said, I'm here at your word, Daniel. God dispatched me because of your prayers. And he, where are you going, angel? He said, I'm going to go back and fight that devil. If you need somebody to fight that devil, let the angels fight him. Amen. Let me give you scripture. Okay. The Bible said in Hebrews 1.13, But to which of the angels said he any time, Sit on my right hand until I make thine enemies thy footstool? Are they not all ministering spirits? Sit forth to minister for them who shall be the heirs of salvation. Angels. All of this is God's power. Amen. When, you, when it seems like, and I see, I'm sure in whatever part of your life you're in, that there's times it seems like there's, there's nothing I can do. You run out. You serve God all this time, and, and all these things happen to you. And like I said from this illustration, that it seems like, what, what is left? What can I do? That you come, and, and I've looked, and he said, I'll make a way through the sea. I'll make a way through the sea. Of course, the book of Exodus, you know, talking about Moses at the sea. God's brought us to times and through this. God, what can we do? I mean, I, I've walked out of that room, cry. Call out to God. I did everything I know to do. I said, how are we going to go? And I, my main thought was, how am I going to make it? I think part of my crying and grieving is not just over my wife. She's in heaven. I mean, she's got it made. I know she's there. I'm not there yet. Amen. And I look, and, 
And I said, what am I going to do? I kept asking her over and over, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? And she said, you're going to preach the gospel. You're going to keep going. You got to. And, uh, and I thought, well, okay, I'll do that. But I tell you, had it been exactly like I thought it was going to be after the, after the initial shock of everything and then realizing the awesome responsibility. See, I didn't just have a wife that died. I had a pastor's wife that died. And I tell you what, a pastor's wife, multiple, multiple, multiple things. Unbelievable. I mean, the pastor gets all the credit, but a wife behind the scenes is taking care of him and the whole church. Amen. Can you say amen? I think it would have been a whole lot easier for me to have went, you know, but um, I didn't have that choice. And so I was like, God. What to do? You know, God, I've run out of, I've run out of moves. I, I felt, you know, that young man in that painting, I don't know how that all come about. And that's a long time ago, 1888, and this is probably depicting a lot further than, back than that. And notice there's a spider at the end of the table. Amen. And, um, and I could say, sad, there's a tear on his face. One saw the tear on the, on the young man. Looking at that, look at that angel looking on him, looking like that. And, um, I know that's just a man's idea, but I did, folks, I've, I felt like him. I felt like he looks. I thought, God, what am I going to do? She's not here to answer that. What am I going to do? How, how am I going to make this? What, what's going to happen next? I, I don't know. And, and I run out of moves. How do you understand when you run out of moves? Can somebody say, man, that, that you do? And I read in the Bible when Moses took the children of Israel to the Red Sea. Ten miracle plagues God sent. Ten miracle plagues to bring Egypt down. I mean, what a powerful thing. You ever watch the Ten Commandments of Charlton Heston? What do you want? My grandkids, we watch that together. Take you a couple of days, watch it almost. But it, it, they made that movie when I was born. 1981. No, not really. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but in any case, pretty good for back then. Not everything 100% scripture, but uh, in that, you know, all the miracle, the plagues, the blood, and, and the flies, and all these things. Did you know all 10 of those plagues represented a false god? They were all 10 gods that Egypt worshipped, including Pharaoh. And so God sent a plague to prove that those gods couldn't help. That they were not real gods. And God said, I'll get me vengeance. So all ten of them, the last one was Pharaoh's son. Remember the firstborn? Died. And, and facing impossible. Now the children of Israel are set free. They go out. And now they come across and they're in the desert. And God directs them. We sang, he leadeth me. He leadeth me. I'll tell you what, he can lead you into some pretty tight places. Did you know that? You still say he leads me? Moses leads them into a canyon. A couple of million people can't go left or right and facing the Red Sea in front of him. And then suddenly somebody in the movie at least, Ah! Pharaoh's army! They come galloping on, the, on their chariots. And Moses sent us out the desert to die. I've wondered that at times. I said, God, are you trying? What are you trying? What's going on? I know that don't sound spiritual for a preacher to say, but sometimes you wonder. He, he, not, he doesn't get mad at you because he knows what you think anyway. Moses, what are you doing? God told me to do this. In facing an impossible situation, surrounded an enemy coming behind in Exodus 14. In Exodus 14, gives a description here and, and got all this people and the, what am I doing? God. And Moses had been a praying man in Exodus chapter 14, verse 13. And Moses said to the people, Fear ye not, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord, which he shall show you to this, to the day. For, for the Egyptians whom you have seen today, you shall see them again no more forever. The Lord will fight for you, and you shall hold your peace. Well, I'll tell you what, I love that part. I mean, oh, Moses turns around. He said, the Egyptians, you've been plagued with all your life. This problem, this thing that's bugged you and hurt you and haunted you. 
He said, you're never going to see them again. You'll never hear Pharaoh. You'll never see the Egyptian army again today. Wouldn't it be great if that thing that's bugged you all your life, you never heard or seen it again? Amen. You might have another problem, but how many would like to get rid of that one that's always been there? You know what I'm talking about. That thing. And he said, today, and King James said, you'll hear no more, see no more forever. So you're never going to see this one again. There's some things you're not going to face ever again. You faced it once, you'll never face it again. And so now, he's praying. He's going to pray. And notice this, there's times to pray and there's times to act. I learned that one thing, Brother Clendenin. When you go on that mission trip, you be ready to preach and you've been prayed up before you left the house. It's no place to prepare a sermon or get in that prayer meeting. You be ready when you get there. And here Moses, he's ready to have a prayer meeting. Notice what the Almighty says to him. Verse 15, And the Lord said unto Moses, Wherefore cries thou unto me, Speak unto the children of Israel, that they go forward. He said, Moses, it's not time for you to pray. We've already done all the praying. But lift up thy rod and stretch out thine hand over the sea and divide it. And the children of Israel shall go on dry ground through the midst of the sea. And behold, I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians and they shall follow them. And I will get me honor upon Pharaoh and upon all the hosts, upon the chariots and upon his horsemen. And the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord when I have gotten me honor upon Pharaoh, upon his chariots and upon his horsemen. Now, you know the rest of this story, that God led them right in. The children of Israel, God divided the Red Sea. How many believe God divided the Red Sea? Hey, man, y'all believe the Bible, don't you? You know, if you believe Genesis 1-1, in the beginning, God, you can believe all of it. Hey, man, I don't get in here and say, well, I don't know about that part. If you believe that first verse, you might as well go ahead and believe all of it. You're already marked. I mean, it's, it's all there. And so, they opened the Red Sea. At least three miles wide. And they go across dry ground. You know, I've seen a documentary and they was talking about satellites, took pictures of where they crossed. And, on, and underneath there, there was a platform, a way. I mean, a road. Because it'd been like the Grand Canyon if it hadn't been. I don't know if God made that then or had it there all the time. Opened up that Red Sea and they're walking across that thing. But then God took the fire away. Well, I hate it when God does stuff like that scares me. I mean, we're going cross. We're doing good. And oh, no, now, now they're coming after us. And the last little person got up on the other side of the Red Sea. Lord, he, God is dramatic, isn't he? He is dramatic in this, in our lives. And then, then he closes the Red Sea up on all of them. I mean, the next morning, they're just floating everywhere. But I tell you what, they began to take the tambourine. They began to dance in excitement. You know, once you get through a lot of this stuff, you'll have a reason to shout. Amen. You'll have a reason to shout. Praise God. People come by and said they're kind of Pentecostal, a little charismatic over there first, you know. Uh, you know, hearing talking tongues a little bit or, you know, worshiping God. How do you watch? Some people in here were such bad drug addicts, you're just excited God set you free. Amen. Praise God. Think, don't you think they got a reason to shout? Amen. People's marriages are coming apart and God put you back together. Or God saved your worthless kids and put them back together. Amen. I tell you what, somebody has something to shout about. I just thank him for saving my soul. Amen. I'm thankful tonight. I'm thankful tonight I'm going to heaven and not hell. Amen. Number one. Amen. That, that starts it off. I'm still thinking for that. Amen. And a lot of things. But they shout. And we got a reason. A little emotional. Oh, you just wait. We sometimes get very emotional. Amen. I, 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 you know, I'm, I've shed an ocean of tears. I mean, everything inside of me. But God made us this way. He made you where you could laugh. He made you where you could cry. What was that song that you sang a while ago? A God that cries and bleeds. I never heard that song. You know, Jesus, he was God in the flesh. God, man, you know, if you read that Old Testament, you have a picture of God. But when you read the New, you see God in Jesus. Everything Jesus said is what God thought. Everything, he, everything. He is God manifest in the flesh. That I, you know, this is amazing that Jesus is God.
He wept. He cried. He loved. He felt. What a miracle. What did your God do for you? He died for you. He rose from the dead. Don't leave him on the cross. He's alive this morning, tonight. Amen. At the right hand of the Father making intercession for us. Amen. Oh, this Christ, this Christ of Calvary. Amen. What a mighty God. What a mighty God. Amen. Teach your kids. Teach them. Teach them. Talk to them. I mean, our two, as soon as they got them, I'm talking, I said, Jesus in the ear. They said, well, they couldn't understand. No, but their spirit felt him. My grandkids, they witnessed to other kids. I listened to them. Man, I was so blessed. Man, oh man. Got a hold of a boy and his parents were some off the wall deal. Sixth grade, never heard the Bible, never heard anything. They turned Alexander Scorpion. That little egghead pulled up there. He wanted to hear that. He's talking about all this galaxies and all of this uh, Von Holla. And my, I tell you what, we, caught, we topped him with that Red Sea story. I mean, man, oh man. I tell you what, we got stories in this Bible. Put Hollywood to shame, don't we? Amen. Got a God. Amen. Work in our lives. In our lives. God, help us. Amen. Moses. They came across that Red Sea. And God drowned all of the enemy. In your Bible. I want to read another man. Amen. How many love the Word of God? Amen. I could tell you Bible people. First Samuel 27. You know, the names in the Bible beside God is Moses and David. You ever put it in your uh, computer Bible program? David just keeps going. Moses keeps going. These two men are in there all through the Word of God. I talk about Moses and David. In the last months, I've read David, and I'm teaching Simon Peter on Wednesday night. I can't hardly wait to get there to see what I'm going to say. Amen. I, you know, I started teaching that, brother, like looking up books on him. Catholic thinks he's the Pope? No. And then they got the Protestant think he's a goofus? I said, no. Uh, and I tell you what, that man has got a lesson. What my title is, Life's Lessons Learned from the Apostle Peter. Oh, man. I'm glad God put that in there, though. You talk about a man. Talk about all that he did. I got to the part where he denied Jesus. And I tell you, that Wednesday night, people cried. It was just like we were there. I had never in all my years felt the anointing like I did the night that I preached on Simon Peter denying the Lord. And then I got down to the verse, Brother Lee, where Jesus said, and Peter. When he said, call my apostles, after Jesus rose from the dead, he said, call my apostles and Peter. And what does that mean? Peter had goofed up so bad. When they called for apostles, he just said, well, that's not me. He said, and Peter. Aren't you glad he said, and you? And you? Let's look at David. We're talking about encouragement. Here, David, and, uh, in your Bibles, 1 Samuel 27. No, David, here, David cracks. David's a man after God's own heart. Kill the giant. David had a day, he cracked up. He had a breakdown. He blew a gasket. David fell apart. He wrote the Psalms. Jesus is called the son of David. David, come apart. Saul had been chasing him. Did you know your emotions, your mind can only handle so much? Saved, full of the Holy Ghost, the Word of God. But this emotional part that we're made of in this soul. And David had had enough. He cut apart. And so David, even knowing better, says in First Samuel 27, 1, And David said in his heart, look at that. He didn't say it in his head. He said in his heart. I can say things, but when I set my heart, it's a whole lot different. For the heart, man believes unto righteousness. You see, your heart, people would say, Oh, I believe in Jesus. Receive the sinner's prayer over and over and never get saved. You know why? Because you have to believe with your heart. Not just your head. David said this in his heart. He, David said here in his heart. And, and noticing with me, he said, And David said in his heart, I shall now perish one day by the hand of Saul. There's nothing better for me that I should speedily escape. 
into the land of the Philistines, and Saul despaired of me, shall despair of me to seek me any more in any coast of Israel, so shall I escape out of his hand. And David arose and passed over with six hundred men that were with him. Where'd he go? To Gath. See, David, David said, I've had it. I'm through. And I'm leaving. I'm quitting. And see how the influence, 600 men went with him, took off with David. When you think of the outcome of your future, you become crippled by fear and self-fulfilling prophecies. You keep saying something's going to happen to you long enough, it might do it. Do you know it's possible to overthink when you see the outcome and you see the consequences and you adopt the fear that's attached to them? And, and it's stated, David went. David went to the, to the Philistines. You ever notice a Christian, we used to use the term backslide? You know, some of the most popular people in God, ungodly worldly music used to be in a church like this. They probably learned how to play and sing like here. And now they're out there in that world because David went to the people of Gath, Goliath's bunch. Joined up with them. Joined up with the enemy. Now, this is in the Bible for a reason. Can you say amen? Amen. He, he was here, and so he is joined up with them. And I look at, I noticed this. Look at First Samuel 27, 7. Look how long David's over there. My Bible has said, in the time that David did wealth in the country of the Philistines was a full year and four months. I mean, folks, that's 16 months. Can you imagine? I mean, if he went over there for a little while and been with the enemy, but he has joined the enemy's army and he's become a good soldier in their army. He has become such a soldier in the enemy's army that David is, is well, I mean, he's a great one here fighting with them. The you know, enemy had to run him off. David didn't one day say, you know, I have, I, I'm, I feel bad about what I'm doing. And I think I'll just go back home. And he left his wives and his kids, but they had to run him off. And notice what I'm reading here. And David went back home and David, he went back to the house. And, and so he, he comes back home and his house is burned down. Man, I tell you what, this Bible is an interesting book to me. David's house, all 600 men's homes are burned down. All of their wives and all their children are gone. And so David's still, he's still in this condition. And so they speak of stoning him. And First Samuel, here, verse 30, chapter 30, verse 6, And David was greatly distressed, for the people spake of stoning him, because all the souls of the people were grieved, every man for his son and for his daughter. But David encouraged himself in his God. I figured you'd say amen right there. Amen. Can we take a picture down? I think everybody's looking at that. Amen. Got our part of that. But I want you to see that. But here, but here, he said, he said, but David encouraged himself. See, he, he, he began here in this time. David, he coming to himself. He's been running with the enemy. How come people can get away from God and just keep going and keep going? And they keep saying, I'm going to get back to God. And they'll tell you, I'm going to get back to church. I'm going to get back. I'm going to come in back. And they never do. They just start running with that crowd. They start going with that crowd. They get worse and worse. And so David is forced to go back home. His house is burned down. And his wives and children are gone. And, he's, and then the men speak of stoning him. At that moment, David does something. David began to wait on God. And he asked for the ephod. You know what the ephod is? Ephod is what the priest wore on the apron on the outside, and it was made out of stones. And they could ask questions, and it would light up, yes or no. So now David, he, he, see, he's different. David is waiting on God. David has been running. Now he's going to wait on God. He's going to come and wait in God's presence. See, that's whenever you can calm down. I've had to tell myself to calm down. I had to be like David. Oh, soul, why, is thou, why art thou disquieted? Hope thou in God. Have you ever talked to yourself? I mean, I don't say on your cell phone, but you come and you say, soul, calm down. Wait on God. The situation is so drastic. Wait on God. Seek him. And, and David began to seek God. And so he asked God, Lord God, do I, do I pursue? I want you to hear what I'm going to say. David has been running for 16 months. Now he's going to pursue. So he's been chasing around. And a lot of people in their life, they've been chasing around, getting nowhere. But when God gets on your life, you start pursuing. 
You're going after things. You're going after God. You're going after the things of God. You're going, instead of the devil chasing you all day, you're pursuing. And so David makes a change here. David's life is about to change. And so now he's not running, he's pursuing. And so he starts pursuing. And so he comes to this point in, in his life. And let me read this in, in 1 Samuel 30, verse 6. And David was greatly distressed, for the people spake of stoning him, because the soul of the people were grieved, every man for his sons and for his daughters. But David, what? Encouraged himself in the Lord. How many can say amen? This is an encouraged conference. And sometimes we have to encourage ourselves in the Lord. We have to strengthen ourselves in the Lord. And this is what he did. And, you know, to find direction... How many people tonight would just say, I just need God to give me direction in my life. I need God to lead me and guide me and direct me. And, and this is the prayer request. And so David has been running all these months out there. And now he has the ephod. And he just wants God's direction. And God said, pursue. Now, you notice whenever you're following God and God's directing, he puts people in the right place. Here in this passage of Scripture, in this, in this chapter, David and his men, they don't know which way to go. They don't know go east, north, south, east, or west. They don't know where he went. They don't know where these people went. They don't know where the wives and the kids are at. But God knows. Have you ever stopped and said, Lord, I don't know, but you know? Hey, Amen. I want to tell you a story. I might have told it here, Liv. Forgive me because I tell it around. All our years and um, where we live and where the church, we used to live in the parsonage. And uh, we knew that little town many years ago. And we were the last building in town, the last house in town. And we were out there and we just, uh, we built that house and we determined to stay. And our son was born. And he's, he's about four or something like that. And so on Saturdays, I'd play with him. And Saturday morning, and then I'd go study in my study. And my wife would take laundry and do all this kind of things. And so one Saturday I got through, and it's, it's beginning to be early winter, not real cold. And we got prairie grass where we live. I mean, grass high. And so I'm over studying, and my wife called the church and said, Is Jason over there? I said, No, it's been two hours. She said, He's not anywhere in the house. And so uh, we both thought each other had him. And so we go out and we look, and there's a Nazarene church right next door to us. And we went everywhere looking, couldn't find him. Pastor next door started going everywhere and looking, couldn't find him. So I got in the car. I mean, it's the sun's starting to go down. The other pastor said, I'm going to call the police. I mean, we're going to have a search. I'm thinking, man, we've got to find him. And so we're getting panicking. My wife is expecting our daughter. She's uh, real close. And so, I mean, we're having one of those times, and we're, we're what we're going to do. And um, I drive out in that prairie grass in that little car. I honk my horn. And, I mean, I'm just in the wind's blowing, and, and it's cool Real cool, and it's going to get real cold at night. And I'm thinking, when somebody picked him up. You know, you think of that. And so I, I look and uh, come up there to the house. I said, have you seen him? Hadn't seen him. My wife's speaking in tongues. I mean, and that guy's waiting for an interpretation. I said, you know, that ain't, that's the way this works, you know. Lord, she was praying. I mean, praying in tongues. So I went back. You may have heard this story. I'm going to tell it again for myself. And I, I, I stopped the car. My heart's beating so fast. I'm breathing real hard. Wind's blowing. And I heard the Spirit of God say, stop, be still. I had to hold my breath. And every time the wind blew, I heard what seemed like a little squeak of a mouse. It would blow again. And I started following that sound. And I found him. Led me right to him. That wind his voice and that sound. I thought, you know what I prayed? I said, God, I don't know where he's at, but you do. Folks, did you know God knows where we're at? God knows where we're at. Job, Job prayed, and he said, God, I can't feel you on the right hand, and I've left, I don't perceive you. I've said that. I said, God, I don't know where you're at. I don't feel anything. I don't feel nothing. And I knew Job said, God, I don't know where you're at, but you know where I'm at. Can you say amen? God, some days 
I still don't know. I don't know things. But I know he knows where I'm at. And the Bible says, and David recovered all. David recovered all. Amen. What a mighty God we serve. Can you say amen? Praise God. David, he didn't know any move to make. You know, people say, well, just just follow the Lord every day. Just seek God and, and do the next thing. But I tell you what, I, I didn't know I don't know always what the next thing is. I don't know always what to do. But I use this picture to begin with, because I thought it really illustrated that sometimes I've been there just like that young man was. And that young man was there and he didn't know, but he was winning. He didn't know. Until that champion come by and said, young man, if I could talk to you, that champion said, I'd tell you, I've looked at this life and you're winning if you'll make this move. Bible said we hear him say, this is the way, walk in it. I don't know where to go from here. I don't know what God has. I mean, at this time in my life, I'd expected to get a social security sometime and Maybe have extra money and let's just go enjoy and run around like people do. You know, but it didn't work out that way. People say, well, me and my wife's going to go in the rapture. Me and my wife's going to go together. I hope you do, but I'm going to tell you what, you probably won't. Not unless it happens real soon. Just, you know, we, we say those things and it's fine to say. Don't, it don't always happen that way. Well, wouldn't that be great if it did? I mean, rapture, we're raptured people happen tonight. But I don't know that he does. I don't know the move to make. And maybe you're at a point and you don't even think you've got another move left in life. You don't even think there's another move. You're like David. He didn't know what to do until he sought God. You're like Moses at that sea. He didn't know. He didn't know. And God said, don't talk, don't cry, don't pray. Take that stick and open up the Red Sea and go across. God had another move. God had another move. And folks, I've just got to believe for myself that God's got another move for me. I don't know how to to win. I don't know how I'm going to win. I don't know how. But I know he's my champion. He's my champion. And he's your champion. He's your champion. Maybe tonight, somebody here, somebody watching, that you run out and said, "There's, there's no other, there's nothing left. There's no move. There's nothing I can do. I'm facing the Red Sea and the enemy behind me. I have no way. You're like that woman with the feet of Jesus, and they said she's guilty, but the champion had an answer. That thief on the cross. You know, I never thought of him like this. If you had looked at him, he, he knew they were dying. Both of them were dying. One was a fool and, and mocked him, wouldn't take it. But this man, somehow, the Spirit of God spoke to him. Even now, even now, you know, isn't it amazing that that thief said, Lord, remember me when you come in your kingdom. Folks, did you know he had about that much knowledge of Jesus? He had never seen him perform a miracle. He had never seen him raise the dead. He had never seen any of that. He knew about this much, and you got it that much. You got that much. But you see, he had that much, that much, as they hung together. He didn't reject Jesus for 40 years. He had that much. But something inside of him, in a terrible uh, condition, there's no hope to change. I mean, he knows he is minutes away from eternity. Minutes away from eternity. But he thought, Lord. See, when he said, Lord, he didn't just say, hey, you. When you say, Lord, he called on him. Remember me. And Jesus said, this day thou shalt be with me in paradise. Changed and turned everything around. What a mighty God. I believe that if he could do that for that man, he can help you. I believe he can help you where you're at. Amen. Praise God. I believe he will help you where you're at. Let's all stand together, if you would, please. Amen. Here. Here this morning, or tonight rather, excuse me. Here tonight that I've come and, and 
bore my heart. There's pain. There's deep pain inside of me. And I, it's there. And I can't make it go away. And I, I do want to talk about him. I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. Me. But I know he does. And I put it myself in his hands. This night, if you are that person and you say, I want the champion of my soul to show me the next move to make. I mean, lift their hand and say, that's me. I need God to show me the, the next move to make. Amen. That he looks and he says, like, young man, I got good news for you. He studied and the champion said, you don't have to lose. In fact, you're going to win. Just do what I told you. Church tonight, I want you to come. If you need prayer, I want you to come. I'd like to pray for you. Amen.